Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of So I Married a Horror Fan. We hope everybody is having a great time, everyone's staying safe, everyone's loving life, except the two people that gave us a one-star review on Apple, because, you know, I hope you're having a one-star life. What are you doing? Right, I am Simon. I'm Ling. She's playing a game right now, so you might have to give us a couple of seconds <laughs> while she figures out the word eclipse. I thought, no, I don't have the letters for eclipse, babe. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> so this is episode 93 of So I Married a Horror Fan. It is the final episode for the month of September, which was our musical month. You could say it's the final curtain. Oh my god. Um, and in this episode, we are looking at a movie about some stuff and some things, but I'll get to that in a moment. First off, I want to say October's coming in hot. It's coming in like a hurricane. So I'm going to give you guys a 411 on what we're covering in October. October is Vampires Month. If you've been following us on social media, this information has been out there for a while. If you don't follow us on social media, maybe this is the first time listening to the podcast. If it is, welcome. If it isn't, I'm sorry. We're going to do some things and then we'll get into it. So October, we are going to be covering all vampires all the time. We are going to be doing next Monday on the 3rd of October, 30 Days of Night. Then on Friday, our 5x5 will be on our top five favourite vampire scenes. I'm interested to hear the episode back. We recorded it back in July. We did. We recorded that quite a while ago. <laughs> um, episode number 95 on the 10th of October will be A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Uh, on the 17th of October, we will be covering... Underworld. Um, on the 21st of October, we will be doing Hocus Pocus 2 for our Crossing the Stream episode. Um, on the 24th of October, we will be doing Bram Stoker's Dracula. And on the 31st of October, we will be doing Interview with the Vampire from 1994. Um, so that's what we will be covering in October. There may be a few surprises as well. I think at the moment we do have My Best Friend's Exorcism on deck as a movie that we will possibly be covering. Because we are a Grady Hendrix household. Um, and we are also looking to cover Halloween Kills. Um, the release of that coincides with our wedding anniversary. So I'm going to try and get that episode up before we go away. Um, so we can get that out for you guys. There may be some um, puzzle box related content coming up in October Maybe. as well. But, you know, you don't. you guys don't need to know about that yet. You guys don't need to hear about that just yet. You don't need to know. You don't need to know. Um, the only person who needs to know about Jamie Clayton and uh, the pins in the head right now is me, not you guys. So let's mm. just uh, keep that on the 411. Um, so that's what we are covering in October. Um, at some point during the middle of October, we will be dropping the release schedule for November and December so you guys can see what we will be covering for the rest of the year. But again, you guys don't need to know that just yet. So all in due time. Um, before we before we kick off and uh, look at the movie that we're talking about today, yes. did, you, did you find your word? Huh? I did find a word, yes. It's Good. fine. Babe. Yes? So, my girlfriend dressed up like a policewoman and said that she was going to arrest me on charges for being uh, good in bed. After two minutes, I was let go and all charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. <laughs> Less podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, today we are looking at Anna and the Apocalypse. We are indeed. From 2017. Indeed. 
that is a film that we have watched tonight and are doing an episode on. Um, I found out that this movie was re-edited for the US release. Do we know why? No. Uh, like five minutes was changed. Yes, there's three cuts of this movie. There is the American version, which is 93, the English version, which is 97 minutes, and then the festival edition, which is 108 minutes, which I think is just like the original director's car, let's be honest. So we watched 108 minutes. Yeah, because we're not no bitches. We're not no bitches, and we watched it on Shudder, and that was the version they had on Shudder. Well, they had the 97-minute version on Prime. Did they? Yeah, that's what I said to you. Oh, yeah, you did, but it's pointless watching it if we're not going to watch the whole lot, are we? Is it? Yeah. Is it? Right. Okay. So, like you said, Anna and the Apocalypse released in 2017. This film was written by Alan McDonald and Ryan McHenry. Mm-hmm. Mick and Mick. And it was directed by John McPhail. <laughs> Mick, Mick, Mick. Cast-wise, we have Ella Hunt as Anna. Malcolm Cumming as John. Sarah Swire as... Steph North. She has called North quite a lot in this. Steph from the North. Steph in the North. Uh, Christopher Laveau as Chris Wise. You better wise up, Chris, Chris Wise. wise. Uh, Marley Sue as Lisa. Ben Wiggins as Nick. Mark Benton as Tony Shepard. Paul Kay as Arthur Savage. And I think that's kind of it, really. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few other bit parts. Nicole's in this. Did, we say, did you say Nicole? Yeah, I said Nicole. She's Marty Sue, babe. Oh. Um, there's a few other parts. So we have, like, kind of like Ruth McGee plays B, who is Chris's nana. There's a few parents who appear in it briefly. That's kind of the main cast. We then have synopsis for this film is as follows. A zombie apocalypse threatens the sleepy town of Little Haven at Christmas, forcing Anna and her friends to fight, slash, and sing their way to survival, facing the undead in a desperate race to reach their loved ones. But they soon discover that no one is safe in this new world, and with civilization, civilization falling apart around them, the only people they can truly rely on are each other. Mate, I'll tell you, one thing I want to say, on the Blu-ray cover or the poster, whatever it is for this movie... There was a quote from a reviewer who who I could only assume was Mr. Fantastic. It is on the cover. I I could only assume it was Mr. Fantastic who reviewed this movie. Because that motherfucker was reaching when he (laughs) said that it was short of a dead meets La La Land. Yeah, basically. This film also does not have a budget list anywhere. I did have a look. Well, they had a budget to include a Michael Bublé song. They did. So At box office that made seven hundred, no, sorry, six hundred and seventy thousand four hundred and thirty dollars. I mean, to be fair, that's not bad. I don't know what the the uh, release of it was like. I have no idea. <clears throat> I don't think it got a wide release. I think it. I think it was uh, released at like. It was released at Fantastic Fest mm-hmm. in September of twenty seventeen. Uh, in October, it had its European premiere at Sitges Film Festival in Spain. Sitges. Sigis, Sigis, Sigis. I can't pronounce Spanish words. Uh, it did have theatrical distribution. Dis- 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 Thank you. In Latin and North America through Orion. Mm-hmm. It had a limited, limited theatrical release and then a nationwide expansion. But it doesn't look like it had a UK. Yeah, considering it was Cinema like a release? considering it was like a UK film. Oh I've, wait, you are, well, must have because there was a UK theatrical cut. Yeah, but that could just be like. Don't know, 
But yeah, we went on to Hulu in America and it was released over here on DVD in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Blu-ray as well. But it doesn't say anything about there being a UK cinema release of this. Is this the first Scottish movie we've covered? Uh, it is. Do you reckon at some point we could cover a movie from every country in the UK? We need to do a Welsh one. Black Sheep. An Irish film. Oh, Hole in the Ground by Lee Cronin, who's directed The Evil Dead Rise. Never heard of it. It was on Netflix. It's technically an Irish production. I mean, it's perfectly doable. Because we've done English ones. Obviously. I reckon we could. I reckon we could do a horror movie from every like country in the UK. Uh, apparently, Byzantium is also an Irish production. That doesn't surprise me. There's a film here called Extraordinary. Nice. It's got Will Forte in it, babe. Nice. Good. I feel like we should watch that. That sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, yeah. So you. Have you ever been to Scotland? Have I ever asked you this? Oh, uh, you have. We've had this discussion multiple times, in fact. I have. I've been to Edinburgh. Okay. That's about it. And I did um, Arthur's Mount. Arthur's Seat. No, Arthur's Mount, babe. Arthur's Seat's at the top of Arthur's Mount. Arthur's Seat's the volcano, right? Arthur's Seat is the seat at the top of Arthur's Mount. Which is the volcano. I don't think it's a volcano. Babe. There's a volcano at Arthur's Seat. Trust me. I just realised that we actually have Scottish listeners because Lucy and Lindsay from the Ghoul Friends podcast are Scottish. So we have to be very careful what we say about Scottish people on this episode. It's an extinct volcano. Yeah, but it's like a volcano though, right? Yeah. yeah. Apparently it's called Arthur's Seat. I don't know why my brain always yeah. thought it was called Arthur's Mount. Yeah, because there's like, you can go and see the volcano. There's also the Castle Top is also an extinct volcano, mm. which is where Edinburgh Castle is. Because I've I've only ever been to Edinburgh as well, um, and it's really fucking noticeable when you watch Avengers Endgame, which parts of that movie were filmed in Edinburgh, mm. um, particularly the train station scene because it's like at Newmarket train station or wherever the fuck it was filmed. Um, but yeah, like I don't th- like the reason why I bring this up is because I never got a sense that this movie was set in Scotland. And there are a lot of things that this movie does where I was like, I never got a sense of what it was. I never got a sense of the fact that this movie was set in Scotland. I never got a sense of the reason why it was set at Christmas. Because it makes no difference to the story at all. And like, I don't understand why this was a musical. Again, the Christmas thing and the musical thing, obviously stylistic choices, which I don't understand why they were. it was made this way. Because it's it, the guy who wrote it, um, did a short version of this, didn't he? And that's yeah. how he got funded to to make this. Um, and obviously, he mentioned a lot of like different musicals that were inspired. I can't remember what the guy's name, and I feel really bad because you said it at the beginning of the episode, and he passed away before the film came out. And I can't remember. It's it's not Rob McElhenney. That's the fucking geezer from Welcome to Wrexham. Um, Ryan McHenry. Ryan I think. McHenry. Yeah. So he did like a short version of this, didn't he? He wrote a short story. Directed a short story version of this. Yeah, he wrote and directed a short film called A Zombie Musical, mm-hmm. which is which, basically <clears throat> a short version of this. The main character is called Anna. 
he wrote it because he was inspired by High School Musical, yes. which I think is fucking hilarious. Yes. Um, but yeah, I um, I never got so like the the reason why I mentioned the fact that this doesn't feel particularly Scottish, and I'm sure Lindsay and Lucy will say one way or the other, um, is when you watch a show like Derry Girls or when you watch a show like. Gavin and Stacey, for those of you in America that don't know, they're two very popular shows on the BBC. Um, whenever they're in Wales, whenever they're in the Welsh part of Gavin and Stacey in Barry, mm-hmm. it's very Welsh. They use like Welsh vernacular, Welsh like settings, scenarios, phrasing, things like that. Same as when you watch Derry Girls. Derry Girls is set in Derry in Northern Ireland. Yes, it and is very Irish. It's very Irish. Also, I just want to point out, you kept saying they had a Boobles song at the end of this film. Yeah. It's not Boobles. Is it just some geezer who sounds like Michael It's Bublé? a guy called R- Ryan Joseph Burns who is singing a song that's previously in the film called What a Time to Be Alive. It's motherfucker. Just he just, he, of that. Mate, motherfucker's coming out and sounding like Michael Bublé. Like, what do you want me to, what do you want me to say? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's him. I'm pretty sure that's the song. Mm. Yeah, it must be because that's the song. Yeah, that's the song on the soundtrack. After he looks like Jack Septicai as well. Look at him. Oh wow! <laughs> he looks like Jack Septicai. Yeah. So anyway, as I was saying, when you watch Derry Girls, they use very like specific Irish scenarios, Irish language, and like yeah, you know, and like when you watch Short of a Dead, it's quintessentially British. Now in this. Nobody really uses like any Scottish vernacular. There's not anything that specifically, other than the fact that it's set in Scotland and a couple of them have Scottish accents, there's nothing that says to you, this is a movie set in Scotland. Yeah, because North does North American. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, oh, what's his name? The dickheady one who's in Nick. Sandman. Nick, he's got a British accent. Yeah. He doesn't have a Scottish yeah. accent. So it is quite odd because yeah, it does, there's nothing in this film, and the teacher, the head teacher, has an English accent as well. There is nothing that screams this is a Scottish film. See, I was hoping there was going to be a scene where like a zombie was eating someone, and one of the girls would be like, "Oh, this is giving me the wee boke," because it means boke means to be sick. If you don't know that, like, and I was like things like that using yeah. Like, what's specific... the other one? What's, what's the word I really like? A jobby. Yeah. This made me do a job in me trousers. <laughs> do a in me true. Uh, which means to have to, to basically to shit, shit, your, to shit your pants. Um, thanks, Lewis Capaldi, for that. Thanks, yeah. That was a, that's a Lewis Capaldi special, that. Uh, what, shit it in your pants? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, you are right. It is not a very. Um, yeah, and that kind, of, that kind of, to me, was really disappointing. Like, having been to Scotland and having spent time with people that actually speak Scottish when they're with each other. I was hoping for more of that. I was like, if you're going to set a movie in Scotland, go all out. And like, I and think like, a big part of the problem with that, though, is not all Scottish accents, but there are certain people in Scotland and certain parts of Scotland where you cannot understand what they're saying. Well, Shudder instinctively asked us if we wanted to turn the subtitles on. <laughs> did. Which, again, kind of like... Is a, is another thing of like, there was nothing in this movie that was hard to understand. No, but like, to be fair, we are British and we, it, it, the Scottish the general Scottish accent isn't that difficult to understand for us. But I'm sorry, fucking Maiden Wrexham has subtitles for people talking English and Wales, yeah, and that's not difficult to understand. Yeah, at all. I mean, 
I can like the only frame of reference I really have to compare it to is it's the only real Scottish thing I've ever watched is like Train Spotting. Mm. Train Spotting is very much a Scottish film. Yeah, and or it's, uh, Sunshine on Leaf. Yeah, they they use very specific words and phrases I'm and things like that. I'm sitting there now realising I've watched quite a lot of Scottish films because, um, oh my God, what's it called? The film with David Tennant. Oh, the holiday one. No, where... not that one. Well, what we did on our holiday. Mm. No, not that one. There's one where he is getting married. Oh, the one where he marries Kelly MacDonald. Yeah, the, re- the replacement bride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that is called because that's set in the Hebrides. Tenuous Link. She's in uh, Train Spotting, and she's the voice of Merida in Brave. Yeah, Brave. Also the Scottish greatest film. Scottish movie of all like, time. I've seen quite a lot, but I'm quite used to the Scottish accent at this point. That like, doesn't even bother me. Like, I don't, I don't tend to notice. Yeah. So, like, that was my first big bugbear with this movie. Was like, it was set in Scotland, but it didn't have an identity. Like, it didn't say. It was Scottish. Did I did I tell you I got stopped in town by a couple of guys trying to better sell um, vegan meal plans the other day? No. Yeah, so this is on a Scottish tangent. So yeah, some two guys, I can't what the company was called, but they'd stop me. They were, it was like basically like HelloFresh, but it was all plant-based meals. Right. And you know what I'm like? I find it very difficult to just say no, especially when I'm on my own. Like, I get dragged into shit constantly. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he was like, oh, can you tell where I'm from? I had an accent. He was like, oh, like, do you want to take a guess at where I'm from? And I was like, up north somewhere? And he was like, Scotland. Why was that relevant to the conversation? Because he was Scottish. And I'm like, my point was, I've got to the point now where I've, I hear so many... Because of where we live, we were university city, so we have a lot of people move here from all over the UK. So while you kind of get used to hearing accents from all over England mm-hmm. and other countries quite regularly mm-hmm. and it's become a point now where i can't tell like if someone's like well no they're obviously scottish i'm like are they mm-hmm. they don't sound scottish they sound like people who live in my city so it's really useful unless they have a very 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 thick broad scottish accent i'm not gonna be able to tell you someone's from fucking scotland <laughs> i'm it, like up up north and i think well, and i think at the moment the only two things that the americans really have got to frame of reference for the for Scotland, is the guy on TikTok. He's like, hey guys, I'm here in Edinburgh. Is Edinburgh your wank? Uh, Which is yes. fucking hilarious. And the Stephen video. Uh, yeah. Stephen, I thought you were dead. <laughs> fucking hell. <That's laughs> we were shouting at the horse. And the thing is, even celebrities, like um, Lewis Capaldi does have quite a, a broad Scottish David accent. Tennant's losing his, I think. It makes me very sad, so I love David Tennant's natural um, accent. And then, um, what's his face? He was in Descendants and is in Gossip Girl. Who was in the vampire? He's in the vampire film. Oh Thomas yeah. Thomas Was he in Gossip Girl? Yeah, he's in the reboot of Gossip oh. Girl. Yeah, we watched the invitation the other night. It was not good. I really liked it. So not, not not the Karen Kusama one with the guy. The from, vampire with one. the not with the not Tom Hardy guy in it. Yeah. Who's like, hey man, maybe this but is But like, a fault. those are like the current American like references for Scottish accents. So basically, Lewis Capaldi, David Tennant, and Thomas Doherty. Thomas Doherty doesn't have a very strong Scottish accent. Oh, no. David Tennant's losing his accent, and Lewis Capaldi is like the most Scottish of Scottish people. Yeah, but speaking of Lewis, is cousin's uncle's nephew's neighbour Peter. He's got a Scottish accent. And he keeps his Scottish accent in Suicide Squad as well. I do, I, and also, uh, Doctor I, Who is very popular. You were like, I, 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 Doctor Who is also very popular in America, so he also have Peter Capaldi. 
I realise now in America they now know what a fucking broad Yorkshire accent sounds like mm-hmm. as well because of Jodie. Yeah. I went to America once with my northern accent. Nobody knew how to, what the fuck Me. they were saying. I wonder if they watch her with subtitles. I was so tripped out when I went to Edinburgh because I, I went to a cash machine outside of Tesco and got normal notes out with old Queenie on them. And then when I paid, like for whatever... Oh, they gave was, you Scottish money. They gave me Scottish money back and I was like... like can I have English money? <laughs> yeah, but it was it was more a case of it was like the last day I was there, so I was travelling back, and I was like, "You can spend in Scottish." Yeah, because I was like, "Right, I need to go to King's Cross and see if I can spend this in King's Cross before I go back to Brighton," um, which is where I was living at the time, and I was so confused. It was really funny because I was like, I remember tweeting on the train, like on the train back, be like, I've "Got a seven hour journey, like I can't wait to get a McDonald's when I get home." And the person who I'd been visiting was like, you know, we have McDonald's in Scotland, right? And I was like, yeah, but I don't want a McHaggis. <laughs> I don't want, uh, I don't want, I don't want like McBattered Mars bar. Because like, that's, that's the thing as well. Like, this is the hilarious thing. Like, I don't know if in Avengers Endgame, that's supposed, like, the thing is that Vision and Wanda and Captain America are supposed to have been hiding out in Edinburgh. But there's a really funny bit where like, Vision runs around. It's the scene where Vision and Wanda get attacked on the street mm. by... Uh, Corvus Glaive and whoever the other fucking geezer is and they're outside a kebab shop like a really famous kebab shop in Edinburgh and there's a fucking dirty great big sign in the window behind Vision's head that says like battered kebabs and I was like I was like how many fucking American people or like (laughs) European people like first off what the fuck is a kebab and secondly why is it battered because because Scottish people will batter Actually, anything. that is a really good question. Like, American listeners, do you have kebabs in America? Well, they have gyros and things, don't they? Or uh, gyros, or gyros, or however it's said. Gyros. Okay, I suppose they're kind of And, like, like shawarma is they? kind of like a kebab. Like, yes. Because it's the same principle. It's meat and veg. But you don't have, like, kebab Yeah, shops. like, they wouldn't... I don't know. Like, well, you couldn't get pissed up on a night out of Stumbalome and go buy, and get buy a Donna kebab. Or shit. Yeah. Like... Well, you don't get a shish when you're fucking up, drunk off your face. You get a donna covered in fucking garlic. See, me and you are very different. Like, and just kind of rub it into your mouth and hopes it's hitting your face. See, you wake up the following morning, you've got donna kebab on your dress. You're like, what the fuck did I do? See, what I do is I get the mixed special. So I get a large mix and of donna and shish. So I get the lamb donna with the chicken shish. Um, no salad, no sauce. And then a chips and pita bread. And like... No, 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 no. That's the good shit. Salad, still. Plain old regular donna kebab. Standard donna. Garlic mayo. Yeah. And then literally I would eat them on the way home. But they give you little plastic forks to eat with. That would get thrown away and I would just put my hand in it. And just like... Also, before... <laughs> I was basically <laughs> a zombie. <laughs> before, yeah. I get, before I get slaughtered, I said that the train station in Edinburgh was Newmarket, but it's not as Haymarket. That's where you get off at the main... Okay. Because um, that's where Captain America appears when he throws... They throw the fucking... Oh, I couldn't in. tell. I don't really know. I only, I only recognised it because that's the station I used to go into and leave from. No. I, I can We do this every time I go to London. We get off at that one station. I walk up the thing going, this is the about time tube station. Yeah. Can't tell you which tube station it is, but I know. I get off and I look and I go... About time, isn't it? Every single fucking time. Well, like I think Avengers Endgame or Infinity War, sorry, it's the only movie that doesn't have giant subtitles saying where everybody is, and I'm like, 
are they supposed... Like, I've always wondered, are they supposed to be in Edinburgh? Or is it just like, supposed to be European undisclosed yeah. city Cause, of cause, some description? Because Vision is a robot, but then he's, like, hanging out in his human form, and he has a British accent. Is, is he got, like, a homing beacon on him? He has to come back to the UK. Like, <laughs> I don't really know. But, like, yeah, because they filmed a fair amount of, like, that stuff in Edinburgh. Like, that stuff was in Edinburgh. And then wherever the fuck else the rest of it was filmed. But, um, yeah, I always just think it's really funny that, like, there is a kebab shop that managed to get a reference to a battered kebab in a fucking billion dollar <laughs> Disney movie. I think it's fucking hilarious. So this um, movie, in comparison, is not Scottish enough. Yeah. And the thing I the thing I found about this movie is this movie was filmed in Glasgow or like a small Glasgow adjacent, a adjacent. small section of Glasgow. The first thing I noticed about this movie, outside of the fact that it wasn't very Scottish, was that nobody in this movie was really belligerent. And I was like, Scottish people in Glasgow, in a small town like this, where everyone apparently lives on a council estate, mm. would be way more belligerent about the fact that there are zombies here. And I don't mean to be like stereotypical, and like it's coming across like I, I would be, I just... they would be way more pissed off, like yeah. legitimately. But and like be fair, like I'd have loved to have seen one set in like Portsmouth because I can tell you now, fucking Pompey people, if zombie tries to take over our fucking city, there would be the little fucking scrotes would be out, be a fucking game. Like yeah, it doesn't Mate, seem like all 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 you all you'd get in Pompey is little fucking. Kids on their e-scooters, like taking pictures of them for TikTok. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like that's all. That's all it would be. Um, but the yeah, all they all they needed to. Re- well, you, you say that there's a joke about that in this because people are uploading to Instagram mm-hmm. their what they called evacuee selfie. Yeah, and it's them taking pictures like lent up against like the barriers with the zombies behind them taking selfies. Well, that's the scene in Little Monsters as well. The Asian family are like trying to take a picture. Yeah. at the animal park. Um, but yeah, like all they needed to do to make this movie feel super Scottish is have a scene where the zombies raid a pub and some Scottish geezer glasses a zombie and someone headbutts a zombie, and it would have been like, right, this was set in Glasgow, hundred percent, like I know it is now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I am so sorry to our lovely Scottish girls who listen to this podcast. Lucy Lindsay, were like, aye, he's right. <laughs> um, All I'm saying is, if Lucy and Lindsay want to offer you after that, I'm not against it. <laughs> just saying, man. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, so I don't really feel like this. This could have been set anywhere in the UK. I feel like. That's the the movie's first failing, is that it has, like, a lack of identity. Um, yeah, you could have told me this film was actually meant to be set, like, literally on any new-build estate in the entirety of the UK, and I'd have been like, yeah, all right, that makes sense. Yeah. Because it doesn't look like it's anywhere in particular. Yeah, this could have been set in Sheffield, Leeds, Portsmouth, Southampton, like... Glasgow, like Derry, it could have been set fucking anywhere in the UK, and I would have been like none the wiser. Um, this could have been set on a council estate in Barry, like Nessa could have been around the corner selling fucking ice creams on the pier, and I still wouldn't have been none the wiser. Like, so like, yeah. Bar the one shot where they're in the cemetery, because that's quite a famous cemetery, mm-hmm. I believe in Glasgow. Yeah, because you pointed it out when we yeah. watched it. 
And I only know that because there's an episode of Craig Ferguson's Late Late Show that they filmed in the UK. Before before that other knobhead took over. Yeah, and he was in that cemetery interviewing one of Kunitz. Because that's what you do. But then, in fairness, I'm saying I'm saying this now. There's like a distinct lack of identity to Shaun of the Dead. Like you can tell that Shaun of the Dead is set in the UK, and there are a lot of UK isms in it. But it's not very clear where. In I don't the UK. think it's supposed to. Yeah. Be, so like, I don't want to feel like Shaun of the Dead is just supposed to be set in England. Yeah. I don't. I just don't want the people to feel like I'm giving this movie a kick in for that. I was like, I just thought it was a bit strange that it was like, hey man, we're a movie set in Scotland, and I'm like. Oh, thing yeah. is though is that's a decent because the difference is Shaun of the Dead is very intrinsically mm-hmm. English it's like like when the resolution to a zombie apocalypse is let's just go to the pub yeah it's like it is a very very British film like you can tell it is set in England whereas this could have been set anywhere in the it's UK it's kind of like what we were saying Scottish. the other day when we watched Invitation and I'm like you know how like they shot the Invitation in Budapest but they were like, oh, no, man, it was filmed in Carfax Abbey. Whitby's around the road. No, it's fucking not. You're just, you've... But the thing is, is it's believable. You yeah, yeah, yeah. believe that film is and set like, in Whitby. And, like, when they shot Don't Breathe in fucking Budapest, and they're like, it's set in Detroit. I'm like, it's fucking not, though, is it? Like, come on now. Like, But it does feel like, I mean, I'm assuming it feels like yeah. it is. Like, I've not seen it. But this is like, sometimes you can get away with it, sometimes you can't. I just felt like... But this is actually shot in Scotland. Yeah, it just didn't feel like it. Anyway... That was the first failing that I had of this movie. The second one is the time of year setting. It being set at Christmas is fucking pointless. Yeah, it's like, not necessary. Absolutely. And do you know what it reminded me of? There are scenes... Have you ever seen those nativity movies? Yes. You know, like Danger in the Manger and all that yeah. fucking shit. Like, I said yes the first time. You don't need to carry on. Big Man DT's in like three of them, I think. He's in at least Two one of, of them. them. Two of them. They got a lot of British people in them. They're basically like... People liked... Love Actually. So let's make four movies that are like that weird nativity scene in Love Actually with the octopus and the lobster. The first nativity film film was really fucking funny. Um, So yeah, there are scenes in this movie that felt like nativity. Mm. Um, And the whole third, like the whole third act in the school, I was a bit like, what the fuck? Yeah, there's no reason for it to be set at Christmas. And like, again, it never really comes into play. No. For a, for a movie that's like described as a zombie like a zombie comedy musical Christmas film, like I said to you when we started watching it, I was like, I bet this movie is like five different things, but it doesn't do any of the five things particularly well. Um, like I thought it was funny. Like there are moments in this movie that are very funny. Um, obviously the poster is iconic of Anna with the pointed candy cane, and obviously that comes into play later in the movie. But yeah, other than the one scene where they run through, it's like a shed or a warehouse full of Christmas trees. Oh, the Christmas tree warehouse, yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, what the fuck is the point of this movie being set at Christmas? So you can have some rapping penguins. Like, no, nonsense. You could have taken that out and it would have made not a shred of difference. I mean, you could have still had rapping penguins in it as well. Could have just been the school talent show instead. Yeah, it could have been school talent show, could have been graduation. Could have been a prom at the end of this movie. Could have literally been anything. <laughs> so the fact that it's set at Christmas, again, pointless. Not necessary. Absolutely unnecessary. Um, and the fact that it was a really inconsistent musical as well. Like, I felt... Simon has feelings about musicals that I don't agree with, so... Look, man, 
I love musicals. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand how the power of music works in a musical. There are scenes in this movie where people are singing songs and nobody around them is reacting to the songs. But there are also songs where people are like tagging themselves in. And it's like, so you're aware of the song that's happening, but it's only you. Like the Hollywood song starts off with James. It's not James, is it? Is it James? John? John. John. Singing to her about like how it's not like the movies. Then she tags herself in and everyone is singing the song in the cafeteria, except for one table of people who are completely oblivious to the fact that this song is going on. I just don't understand, like, the idea of, like, some people can hear songs in musicals, some people can't. Like, it's a weird thing for me. You feel, I feel very different. So, like, for me, when people are singing on their own and no one else is listening and no one else is paying attention, that always comes across to me very much like a soliloquy in a Shakespeare play. Because you will be watching a show, and I'm not even kidding, there is, I think it's in Othello maybe, where a dude is literally stood in the middle of stage in front of the entire rest of the cast, plotting to murder his uncle, talking, or it might be Hamlet, talking out loud about it to the audience, and like everyone else is around him, and you're like, how the fuck, they can hear you, and it took me a while to realise they cannot hear you, soliloquies are an internal monologue, so I feel like whenever other people can't hear them singing... That is their version of a soliloquy. However, when it's a group number, that is a conversation that would be being shouted across the cafeteria, but it's just set to a song. But then there's like one scene in this. The one scene that made me say it is when John is singing in the fucking changing room and the kid's like drawing on his face. But it's a soliloquy. And I'm like, you're interacting with him directly. Yeah, but it's it's an internal monologue. But I don't, I don't Uh... think, I don't think the songs in this movie were good enough to justify it being a musical. Um, and I don't think it being a musical added any value to the film. I think it being a musical made it slightly more entertaining and kind of gave it a little niche market to slip into. Um, I will agree, I don't think the songs are all that great. And there's not enough of them. Yeah. Like, this is quite light on. I think there was like, there's like 10 or so songs in this Yeah. Film. But there is not, there's a long period of time where there is no singing. And if it's a musical... I like to have some songs, bruv. Did you also think that um, not only a lack of songs, but did you not think that the musical numbers lacked identity as well? Mm. I keep talking about lack of identity, but there was nothing like... I couldn't tell you a single song from this musical sat here now. Yeah, but also... And we watched it, what, 40 minutes ago? All of the musical numbers as well seem the same. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to differentiate. No, they all sounded... Oh, actually, that's not true. There is one song I remember, and that's the song Nick sings. Mm-hmm. The... I'm a soldier. When yeah. it comes to kicking ass, I'm the top of my class. That one. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that one was the only one that had, like, a distinctive feel to it. He was like, Hop to the bless my soul. I really I'm on a zombie you. killing roll. <laughs> nice. Good yeah. call. Um... That was the only one that I can remember. Yeah. And that was the only one I feel that like really has an identity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are right. None of the other songs really kind of lacked any kind of distinction between them. Yeah. Which, when you're doing a musical, like, you want to be able to remember those, yeah. like, songs, those, like, musical numbers. Like, you look at, like, a musical like Grease, or you look at a musical like Rocky Horror Picture Show, or something like Sweeney Todd, or... Repo. M- Mamma Mia. Like, you remember 
all of the dance numbers and songs in Mamma Mia. You remember all the ones in Greece, Greece Two, like I don't e- so much Greece Two. But... Even like even like La La Land, like you remember like Another Day of Sun, like City I haven't of Stars. seen it, so I can't like, say that. You know, and I just think if you're not if you're not committed, and I'm not saying that the people weren't committed, it just feels like they did it for the sake of it. Yeah, and like they make a lot of references to. Films that inspired this, like Rocky Horror Picture Show and The Breakfast Club and Shaun of the Dead and, like, some of the costumes being inspired by Sleepaway Camp and, like, The the Happiness of the Categories, which is the um, Takashi Miike movie. None of those influences come come into play in this movie. No, they really don't. I think there was one point where I... I can't even remember what it was now, but I pointed it out to you. It was a direct reference to something. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was that was going on. I was like, oh, babe, like, that's the reference to what's it. Um, but yeah, like I read it like I read like it was influenced by like Once More with Feeling and stuff like that. And I, you are right. None of it really came across. And like even like the episode you just referenced there of the greatest TV show of all time, Buffy the Vampire's Lair. There are memorable songs in that. Into the Fire. Well, this is the thing. So this is this is the major thing, and this is kind of what I want to touch on when we talk about the songs and the feeling of the film. You watch me like once more with feeling. Obviously, we've had a long time to get to know those characters, but you look at this song. So like, um, I died. What's the song? The one Spike sings that like, I died many mm-hmm. years ago. What song is that? I don't know. I don't like that episode. I love that episode, but like Spike's song intrinsically feels like it is mm-hmm. Spike. And the evil villain song. The evil villain song. The song Willow sings to Tara. Mm-hmm. Under Your Spell feels like a Willow and Tara song. Mm-hmm. Um, the one Giles sings to yep. Buffy. Dawn gets a song. Dawn gets a song. Um, and like even when it's like a group number, like there's parts of that song, like Anya's lines in um, the big group number, the first big group number where she's like, it could be bunnies. Mm-hmm. And Xander tries to play on which. They all feel very in character. A big issue with this film is that we don't really get to know any of the characters well enough for any of their personalities to shine through in the songs. Like, we know that Nick's a bit of a dickhead. He's the only... And is Anna's ex-boyfriend. Is he ex-boyfriend or is he just ex-fuckboy? I think ex-boyfriend. I'm pretty sure they were dating because her dad makes a reference to him being her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. which means he met her dad as as her boyfriend Mm -hmm. at some point. Um, There's her best friend who's in love with her. Fucking... John. Obviously. Uh, Chris and Lisa, who are the couple who are like attached at the mouth, mm-hmm. and then North, who we do, I think we find out half like early, early on her parents are in the country, and she's an ex, like she's moved here from o- overseas, and then we find out halfway through she's a lesbian. Yeah, and that's really all we really learn about her character. And for some reason, there's a random evil teacher in this. The head teacher, yeah. He's like, just, yeah, I just want everyone to die and be eaten by zombies. Every, to be fair, everyone's had a teacher like that. Yeah, but I don't that. understand why he was such a villain. And, like, his villain villainy was, like, such a big part of this movie. Not a clue. Not, like, yeah, no, not a clue. We did, wasn't necessary. Um, but, yeah, we don't really find, like, Nick is the only character we really find out enough about to kind of form an emotional connection with. And I think that's part of the reason why his song sticks with me. Is because I can listen to that and go, that sounds like his character. Yeah. Because the song is cocky mm-hmm. and a bit dickish. Mm-hmm. It feels like him. 
but the other characters we don't really get to know well enough for us to say oh that song definitely feels like that character yeah and i think also because of that the movie has like no emotional stakes no this movie has a really high body count um it's a really weirdly bleak movie mm. um it has a very high body count a lot of the main characters die spoiler alert um but like you don't care no well what we have in this film so we have anna nick chris lisa Uh, what's his name? Her best friend. John. John. I remember his name. English James. North. B. The headmaster. Anna's dad. Mm. That's kind of it for the main yeah. characters. That's nine people. Out of those nine people, North, Anna, and, and Nick dad. survive. And Nick, yeah. That's it. So we lose the young couple, one of their grandparents, one of their dads. Mm -hmm. The teacher. The teacher. Mm -hmm. And, like, her best friend. And none of it hit me. No, none of it. I think the most worried I was was when Nick plays Sacrifice so that Anna can go find her dad. And I was like, fuck, they might not kill him. Yeah. Someone character I give a shit about. And he plays like the role of like English butcher. Oh, right, come on, get your meat. Oh, a lovely bit of meat over here, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, come on, <laughs> come get on, it. Come on. Yeah. Six pork sausages for a pound. <laughs> <laughs> um, best deal of the day. This is best deal of the day. That's what I'm telling you. Fucking hell. We um, saw one of those guys in town the other day. It was did, amazing. So, yeah, so good. i tell you what, love. i tell you what, love. Just for you. Just for your do you do. Uh, I don't, it's a very British thing. I don't think they have them overseas. But they're basically a guy... In, like, a giant <coughs> van? It's like a taco truck, isn't it? It's like a taco truck. Like a microphone. It'll be, it's, a, it's a mobile butchers. Mm -hmm. But they'll be announcing their deals. <laughs> you can hear them from, like, a mile away. They're announcing their deals. But he's got like, a bit of a Cockney accent for yeah. some reason. Well, I have vivid memories. Like, when I used to go and visit my grandparents when me and my sister were little, we used to, they used to have, like, a massive market on a Saturday. So they have two markets, one on a Wednesday, one on a Saturday. And you'd go, to, so like it would be like a massive concrete car park behind the back of like a news agent. And it would be like just all stalls. And so you'd have like clothing stalls, electronic stalls, like cleaning products, kids stuff. And there would always be like a fishmonger and there would always be like a meat man. And the meat, a man, meat man. Not the, a man made of meat, a man who was selling meat. The meat man would be like in his van and he would have like a board with the deals on it and he'd have like his little scales. But it's like, it's like crap. Peasant theatre, like because you because you'd literally walk you'd, you'd hear him the minute you'd go into the you the minute you go into the the market like, area you'd hear him and he would just be like all right love like right yeah do your deal six pound of mince seven seven sausages half a chicken three three pork chops and a uh, cut color like color little chicken legs six pound six pound do a deal god love god six pound six pound love six pound do it for a fiver five fifty god love god love god love oh you can take it yes sold it's like it's like some shit fucking meat auction <laughs> but like but like fucking old people love that shit to be fair they're wildly entertaining you sure what yeah but it's like it's literally if ever you visit the uk and you get a chance to watch a meat man at work fucking do it like, it's entertaining i'm not shit. i'm not being funny unless unless you have specific dietary requirements or you're a vegan people are going to buy meat anyway you don't have to convince people that are buying meat to buy meat mm. 
Like, I couldn't imagine going to... So there's a butcher by us that we go to get all of our meat from. I mean, and I the, could imagine the lads in that store doing the guys, it. The guys in there are absolutely They're mint. fucking hilarious. That's so, that's so nice. <laughs> there's like, like eight of yeah. them now. But could you imagine that little scrote, Tyrone or Steve Layton. or whatever it's called? Yeah. That, that little scrote that's <laughs> in there on like a, a Saturday, Saturday morning, who's like fucking 15... He's got like three airs in his chin. Leighton's like fucking 18 or 19. <laughs> and he he's just, like an actual little adult. And he'd just be like, oh, oh I love, do you, want a, do you want half a chicken and three burgers? Go love, go love, go on, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love, love him to pieces. They're yeah. so funny. Leighton, so Leighton's the youngest and he just gets bullied by the rest of the staff. Because they don't have a HR department. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, they're all it's a family-run business, yeah, isn't it? They're all yeah. related. And the amount of fucking the amount of your mum jokes I've heard come out of all of their other mouths, because like referring Leighton's mum is fucking hilarious. Who's clearly one of their aunties or like their sisters <laughs> or their cousins or something. <laughs> I don't know if Leighton's related to them. I think he might just be like a Saturday he's, boy. He's not related to them. Not related to them, but he's but they're yeah. all funny. But yeah, like meat men are hilarious. And it, to be fair, like it's a dying breed because. Portsmouth doesn't really have a market anymore. Like we used to have Charlotte Street Market in Commercial Road, um, and there's like a there is a fruit and veg guy who's like in Commercial Road sometimes. He's usually selling the flowers outside of the NatWest or the National Bank. Oh yeah, every Saturday. Yeah, and like occasionally, we're like, oh, right, go on, go on, bouquet, bouquet, tulips, quid, love, quid, quid, do you want it for a quid, love? End of quid. the day, we try yeah. to get rid of them all. So tulips, or right, I'll do two bunches of tulips for a quid fifty and a kiss. Or right, go on, love, like, really. It's like <laughs> Very much it's, exactly it's so, what it's like. But like so, yeah. Like the scene where he's doing that just gave me vivid flashbacks. But yeah, if you ever visit like a proper market, it tends to be like up north or in like a lot of like cities that still have like kind of like a villagey element to them. So like, I think Chichester Market still has. Yeah. One. So like where I'm from, I I was born in Kent. So there's Strood Market and Rochester Market. Rochester, for those of you that don't know, is kind of like a place that Charles Dickens wrote some of his stories and like he visited it quite frequently. Uh let's not fucking Charles Dickens the Pompey lad babe. When he did the Canterbury Towers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah Charles Dickens the Pompey lad there's a, whole... a statue to him. I know, right? but there's a whole section of road. I don't know how he's connected to Portsmouth. <laughs> We've got a statue in a school. <laughs> there's a there... well he's born here because there's a oh, sign on the M twenty five that says Charles Dickens birthplace oh, as really? you pull into Portsmouth. <laughs> Amazing. Um but there's like a whole section of Rochester that's still got like cobbled streets. Oh, and like they have the old-fashioned shops and a Costa, so like literally you walk down it and it's like so you go from Strood over to Rod- over Rochester Bridge. There's Rochester Castle and there's like a whole section. Basically, the whole of Rochester High Street is like cobbled streets and like old family-run shops. So like there's like a fucking cobbler down there. There's like old like antique shops of that. But yeah, like they have a market and they have like the guy. They still now to this day have like those guys. I do love little. This is really off tangent. Um, this, I do still love little places in England that are like towns and cities that still have like an intrinsically like villagey feel to them. Yeah. York is one of those. But I need to take you at some point to York because York is beautiful. Yeah. And we could just crash at my brother's place. Um. But like York has that feel. Like you go down the sh- the shambles and stuff in York, and it is still like all the old yeah. stonework and stuff like that. It's beautiful. And there is something very adorable about England, where we still have these towns and cities that still have the well, old. Well, we went to Winchester. Winchester still feels very old, worldy. When you, I think a lot of it. it is though, is because of like tourism. So like, there's not a lot in Rochester, but I think Rochester do it because they have the Charles Dickens connection. So every Christmas. 
they like have a parade and have like a Charles Dickens fair. So they yes. have people like dressed up and they have like all yeah, that there's sort a of shit. place up in Yorkshire that um, where is it? Anyway, so Anna was trying to stop the apocalypse. <laughs> no, is it Hayworth? It might be. Is it Haworth? Kayleigh? It might be. So there's a place up north. Um, it is, it's Haworth. Um, where basically the Bronte sisters lived. And the place that that is still has like a very old fashioned yeah. feel to it. It still has like the original train station bridge. And, but part of that is because it was where the Bronte sisters were born, yeah. where they were raised. I like um, where we went Whitby to Bath. Whitby has a very similar feel to it. Bath has a very similar feel to it. Because so. we went and did yeah. that Jane Austen tour and it was sick. We did. We also went to the Frankenstein house. Yeah, which was sick. It was. We did um, not do the Bridgerton tour though, which next time we go to Bath, we need to go do the Bridgerton tour. Maybe we could do it when we're in Bristol. We could just take a train down. We still haven't watched Bridgerton. I feel like we need to do that first. We could go do the Bridgerton tour. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, that one scene just reminded me of like market geezers. Yeah. But yeah, like this, this movie... I think this movie got caught up in its concept and lost a lot of itself in the execution because it feels like they put a lot of time into obviously writing songs and trying to like work on the musical aspect of it without making the songs actually memorable that they lost kind of a lot of the character development in this movie. Um, because yeah, outside of Anna, everybody in this movie is like really underdeveloped. Like, like why is the principal like this nihilistic fucking guy having an existential crisis who wants the whole fucking world to burn and is like feeding and murders murders a bunch of yeah like parents. feeding people to fucking zombies like a fucking lunatic um like what the fuck is that all about and then there's like the whole thing of like you know the the different relationships between the characters and things like that like everything feels massively underdeveloped um i think part of the issue there is the cast is too big yeah we don't we have too many characters and not enough time to get to know those characters it would have worked a lot better with a smaller central cast so we'd have actually had time to get to know everybody before the apocalypse kicks off and then during the apocalypse as well yeah yeah i i agree and i think like I think even, like, the zombie aspect of it. There's some really fun elements in this movie. Like, there's a scene where she wakes up in the morning and she goes out of her house and she does the song. like The, the brand, Shaun of the Dead scene. The Brand New Day song. And it reminded me of the sequence... You know the opening shot of Dawn of the Dead? Mm-hmm. Like, when the title card comes. When Sarah... Like, it's not the opening scene, but, like, the title scene where Sarah Polly's in the car and she pulls out and she's driving through the... And it goes to the top-down shot and you see all this stuff happening. It reminded me of that. Like, that scene very much specifically reminded me of, like, that scene from Dawn of the Dead. Or even the opening, the For Whom the Bell Toll scene in um, Zombieland. Yeah. Or, like, I think a core reference for that one, though, is Shaun the Shaun of the, Shaun of the, yeah, the yeah. Dead. When he goes to the shop. When he gets up, he goes to the <laughs> shop, comes yeah, back yeah, yeah, home. Yeah. And then, you know, then, like, doesn't... You know, it just seems like a normal day. He's not really paying attention to Just a normal, innocent day. Yeah. Um... Also, a fucking baby was getting munched in this. A baby was getting munched. We we do in this baby like, munching. That was that was some shit. I love the fact that mum just abandoned the baby. Yeah. As well. It's like a little happy meal. It's like it's crazy. Um, Juice box. Yeah, it's crazy. 
And there's that fucking... He's like a highwayman. He's got like a high-vis jacket. He looks kind of like a creepy ice cream man. Yeah. There's a guy who... Yeah, he looks like the creepy ice cream man on the front of the coal chain. See, Robin, this is who the thing. Is there's, the there's a couple of really cool kills in this film. Zombie like, Kills of the Week. Zombie Kills of the Week. The one where John... Yes, takes two bowling takes balls. Takes two bowling balls and smashes the zombie's head in. Um, North gets some really cool... I don't know what her first name is. I've completely forgot at this point. But North gets some really cool kills in. Yeah, she sticks a spatula in a dude's mouth. Sticks a spatula in a dude's mouth. Oh, there's the one where the zombie goes down the bowling lane and its head gets cut off by the pin. Which is also the pin North. Yeah. And then the bowl, the head comes out the 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 thing where you collect bowling balls from. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Um, there's a couple where she gets them with the like sharpened candy cane, which is quite cool. There's a few during the Nick song. There's a few cool kills in that. There's a great moment where one of them is luring the zombie with a stake on a fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes in and smashes it head, its head with the baseball bat. There's, That's delightful. There's the fucking little guy who looks like a fucking shit Wolverine. He's oh, got, yeah, like, he's he's got, got like, two. He's got two kitchen knives they're, in each um, of his hands. No, they're not. They're um, they're for like pulling meat. It's like pulled pork and stuff. You use them as no, like... No, they're not the bear claws. He's literally no, got... No, they're not. They're li- bear claws, babe. You see him with them in his hand without them being on at one point, and they're the bear claws. I swear they're two, like, kitchen knives no, in between his fingers. No, because he's got them on both hands. Mm. They're bear claws. I thought he was just holding kitchen knives. No. I'm going to have to rewatch that scene, because I was confident that's what you had. But... No, I'm pretty sure it's bear claws, babe. Um, there's the one where the guy wraps the PlayStation controller around the zombie's legs. Yes. And, like, trips it up. Um... Yeah, so like some of the zombie stuff is cool. I like the zombies look cool, um, but like again, it's just it's just a typical like. This is the thing. Like I love zombie movies. Like I don't. My fucking name on social media is like zombie underscore Simon because I love zombies. Like it's the one thing I'm known for. Um, but I feel like a lot of the time people fucking just become really lazy mm. with like how a zombie thing starts. Like it's literally like nothing and then the next scene there's zombies like there's no explanation for what it is like where it's come from how far it's spread like it's literally see that's one thing i will give little monsters is we find out where the zombies have come from yeah and also like it's only half a mile down the road from where they are yeah and like Like, it makes sense even in zombie lands they don't show you but they like they have the lines of dialogue they feed you the lines of dialogue through the film where they're like it started X amount of months ago. It was somebody ate a hamburger, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, but like in here, they have the one conversation where they're in a ball pit, I think it is, if I remember correctly. It's John and Chris. Chris and they're talking about what celebrities they oh, think yeah, or how cause far. Because they, they say, what about Robert Downey Jr. is how the conversation starts. And they were, he was like, nah, Iron Man's fine. And then it was Ryan Gosling. Yeah, and then, like, Justin Bieber. Justin, uh, no, Justin Bieber is a zombie. That's, that's how the conversation starts. Yeah. And then Ryan Gosling, they were like, doesn't matter, he'd be cool either way, which I love. And then obviously they end up on everyone's favourite girl. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. For the third week, week running, for third episode running, I think it is now, we are talking about Taylor fucking Swift. And part of her mythology, she has canonically been at one point a zombie. So in the Tayverse. Because she's a zombie in the Look, Look What You what Made you Me made Do me video. Do. 
which is kind of cool. New te- that old teller can't come to the phone right now because yeah. she's dead. And there's that bit at the end where there's all the tailors in the airport hangar and there's the one that's like, I really want to be excluded from this narrative. <laughs> like the zombie ones on the end. Um, yeah, so I don't know why she keeps being brought up in I these movies. Know. Like, it's not even me See, trying to bring her up. See, I was do they didn't take it off. Why did we bring her up last week? I can't remember. Because that was Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, wait, didn't we discuss putting her in Little Shop Yeah, we discussed her playing Audrey, human Audrey, I think, at one point. Um, but yeah, like, I don't, I'm not even trying to bring her up. I'm just like, she just keeps coming up. Next week she won't. Uh, midnight is 21st October. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Like, there are, like, these little pockets where they're, like... I'm like, this movie's really cool. And, like, these are the kind of conversations that people would have in this situation. Um, but, like, it just gets let down by, like, so much other stuff that's just that just doesn't land. Mm. And, like, the thing is, I don't... Like, I'm going to sound probably like a cunt when I say this, like, which is nothing unusual for me. But, like, I don't even find Anna to be a likeable character. No, like, she's not particularly. Like, when you watch a zombie movie, so if you watch something like The Walking Dead... Or, like, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. If you watch anything like Shaun of the Dead, 28 Days Later, any of these movies, even if there's, like, a group of characters and one of them's an arsehole, there's always, like, a character to root for. And, like, even though in Shaun of the Dead, for example, Shaun is a deeply flawed character, like, there's something about him where you're, like, you see enough of yourself in him as a person where you're, like, I really hope he survives. It's, like, with... um, like Zombie Land, like all four of those characters, assholes. You want them to kind of survive because you know they're relatable. But they're all assholes. But like, I didn't find any. I didn't find there was not one character in this movie where I was like, I really hope they live. And like, I don't know if it's the actress who plays Anna's performance because she's a bit. She seems like she's kind of sleepwalking through this movie a little bit, yeah. And I don't know if that's just her character or if it's just the way that she's played. But there was just like. Even at the end, when she gives, like, the impassioned speech about, like, saving her dad and the teacher being a cunt and, like, fucking killing the zombies and stuff. And, like, when she even when she has the conversation with Nick, which, like, yeah, we fucked and we talked about how shit our dads are and then you ghosted me. Like, what the fuck? I was like, okay. Like, shrug. Like, yeah. none of it, none of, none of her character landed for me. No. But then I didn't think any of the characters did. I thought the teacher, Mr. Savage, was... Fucking hilariously over the top. Oh, so over the top. And like he was, he was bordering on being a pantomime villain. Mm-hmm. Her dad is just a, a, a one note. Oh, your mum's dead. You live under my roof. Sort your life out. Her boyfriend is basically a caricature of fucking English James from Derry Girls. Like mm. her, her best mate is basically just English James yeah. from Derry Girls. Um, the couple were like. Absolute nonsense. Lisa and Chris. Yeah. Absolute nonsense. Mm. And then, like, Nick is just like, well, Nick's just a fucking geezer in all these situations that you just want to get munched. See, Nick, I didn't hate as a character. Nick grew on me quite drastically. I think because he was the only one that I actually ended up giving a shit about. Mm. You didn't mention North either. Yeah, I mean... I just kept referring to her as... um, the funky lesbian. Yeah, I was just and like, nothing else about her character. She's yeah, funky nothing, lesbian. nothing really registered. Like, Joy, James, John, James, Jim, Jiminy, whatever his name is, he comes across a little bit like in some scenes, like uh, Dylan Moran's character in Shaun of the Dead, who's like the one who's like 
got oh, the John girlfriend. Moran. Yeah. But who's clearly in love with Liz, and that's why he hates Sean. And like, I feel like that's kind of how he came across in this movie. His role in this movie is to like sniff Anna's panties and like try and scowl at Nick. Like that's literally it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and I don't. I think in a movie like this, like, it doesn't help if you don't relate to any of the characters. No. Because you're supposed to care when people die, and like, I just, I just didn't. But there is one scene in this movie that completely saved the entire thing for me, mm-hmm. and it's the the scene with the sexy Christmas song. The really horny, like, oh, my, the one my chimney, yeah, sings. my chimney needs unblocking. Come, like, touch my stocking or whatever the fuck it is that she says. <laughs> yeah. Like, that fucking scene... That scene was pretty fucking... Is the most... <laughs> it's I- the fucking half-naked men in, like, the Santa shorts. That is the most the iconic Christmas-themed school performance since, since Mean, mean Girls. Girls. Yeah. yeah, you knew what I was going to say. I did. For real, for real. Um, but, yeah, is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap this episode Not up? Not really, no. Okay, so what are your final thoughts... And your score out of five, please. I think that this movie is a, a good waste of your time. If you've nothing better to do and you want something to put on in the background just for like a laugh and a bit of like light-hearted fun, this is the film for that. Before you give your score, let's do the quick checklist. How does it work as Christmas movie? Eh. Zombie movie? It, it's a zombie film. There's enough zombieing for it to be mm-hmm. a fairly decent zombie film horror film uh, there's enough horror shit in there i think like the kills and stuff but i didn't find it scary but musical <sighs> it has songs comedy it's quite funny actually yeah i will give it that it's quite a funny film and score out of five mm, two nice yeah two i don't think it was a great film it's it's a good mindless Back in the room, you're doing all this shit, you just need some noise. But other than that... Yeah. I would never watch it again. I think I'm inclined to agree with you. Like, it's really disappointing because I think when we saw the trailer for it, and, like, it pops up on, like, Watch Mojo and What Culture list of, like, the best Christmas movies, the best horror films, the best blah, blah, blah. Yeah, people suck this movie's dick, yeah. man. And I'm just like... I just think... I, and I, I said to you when we started watching it, like, I thought this movie would try to be too many things and I don't think it would successfully be any of those things. And I think to a degree I was right. Like, if you take the music out of it and take the Christmas setting out of it and you focused more on the story and the characters, it would probably be a better film. But I think the fact that it tries to shoehorn in the fact that it's a Christmas movie and the fact that it's a musical, it just stretches itself a bit too thin. Um, I think really where they needed to develop it was they needed to develop the characters more and they needed to develop the plot. Yeah. Um... And not one single character quotes Braveheart in a moment of zombie violence in this movie. Zero out of five. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I'd probably like go with you as well. I'd probably give it a two. Yeah. It's sad that we're ending our musicals month on such a dour note. But yeah, I just it just did not tick any of the boxes for me at all. And like, you know, I feel like I just want to go and drink some urn brew and like eat a bad Yeah, no one out. drinks any urn brew in this. No. Disappointing. Well, that's it. That's our that's our thoughts on Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes. Yeah. Have you guys seen it? Have you not seen it? If you have seen it, what did you think? If you haven't seen it, maybe watch it if you've got Shudder and yeah. an hour and a half to kill. You can find us on social media. Oh my god. At S I M A H Pod. No, you not 
what is it? S I M A H F pod on Twitter. So I married a horror fan on Instagram and Tumblr. All lowercase or one word. <laughs> I didn't warn you. I just wanted to do it. It felt like it was fun. Um, thank you for coming and listening to us. You can join us next week when we watch 30 Days of Night. And I regret all of my life choices that has led us to that exact moment in time. Hey, you know what, though? Do you know what next week means? My man Josh Hartnett is coming back on the podcast. Josh Hartnett is back. Josh is back. Back um, So thank you for listening. Uh, Come find us on socials. Come hang out. Come chat. And uh, stay spooky. Stay safe. See you next week, guys. Bye. Next week, thirsty days and night. Right here. Boom. Bye.